welcome back. Uh, this is obviously that tattoo show. I am as ever. I'm Paul, and I am Chris. Well, Chris said to me, "There you go. He's he's still learning that. We'll come. We'll be cycling back round to the uh, the Welsh stuff at some point because we we will at some point try and do a Welsh language edition. Oh, um, not sure mate. how that's going to work because I'm I'm really playing catch up on that because it's really really hard to learn. But we'll see how it goes. Anyway, we've got a good show for you this week. I think we've got. A really interesting chat coming oh, up. Super interesting. Um, we were going to be talking to Rob from Electrum uh, we did, this we week, did. but due to technical issues, can, we can't do that. I'd like to that. take responsibility. Um, due to me fucking up, that's why we can't have, yeah. Chris got fired uh, today. I can't. I, I, so <laughs> I, I would happily take responsibility if I fuck up. I, I believe in taking ownership. I fucked up. Uh, so yeah, that's why we're not having Rob on. So hopefully we'll have, have Rob on next week if, if Paul doesn't fuck it up. <laughs> Yeah, next week or the week after, me and, me and Rob are going to have a, a conversation via email rather than through DM, because I can't really do that. I don't really do DM. So we're going to have a conversation on email. So Rob will be coming on the show uh, in the next couple of weeks to chat to us about the goings-on at Electrum, our favourite and longest-running sponsor. Uh, thank you very much for, you know, supporting the show right from the very beginning. It'll be a fascinating chat. Rob's um, Rob's been in the industry for a number of years, makes a number of, like, really cool products that we both use all the time. I don't so want to add, can we also fun. add... You do get a discount code that is down below in the description. If you it's use in the description, it and you'll get a bit of a discount off some stuff from Electra. So not only does he give us money to do this and yeah. uh, help us out with the cost of running the show, he, he actually helps, helps you, you out well. get your supplies. So, um, and just as a quick tip, if you don't know, uh, Electrum Green Gold, that if you want the strongest stencil you will ever, ever get, that's the shit. Like, it is crazy strong. Oh, mate, I think it's crazy strong. I will disagree with you, Paul. I will disagree. The gold standard, that's the one I prefer. See, the gold standard's really good if you like wet stencils, but some people like to have a very dry stencil when they put it on. I prefer that one. I just let it dry. Uh, because I like a wetter stencil. But a lot of my guys in the shop, they love the the uh, they good. love the original green gold, They're one, all the, good. the really sticky one. It's it's strong. It's really strong. You know, sticks like shit to a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, yo! What's in the news, mate? Well, in the news this week, there is a bit of an update, and I probably should have done it last week, so I apologise. There is an update from the guys at Save the Pigment, so I'm going to be looking over here and reading it out. And it's regarding, because they, they went and they done a new petition in the European Parliament. Can I just so, say something about Euro this? I really admire, yeah. if, if oh, you guys are yeah, watching this, I really like, admire what you're doing, you guys at Save the Pigments. This is like, you are doing so much for this well, industry. Yeah, I was you're thinking almost about like this. the unsung heroes of this. And... I really think they deserve a fucking... From that yeah. tattoo show and the bottom of our hearts, thank we, you for all your hard work. We really do we appreciate do. And it. Like, thank you what, for going to bat for us. I find interesting is, like, why aren't representatives of the ink manufacturers going to these meetings with these Where people? are you? Why is it left down to the tattoo industry? Heading over to uh, Save the Pigments for Avaganda. Show them your support. Yeah. They're on Instagram. Go and follow them. Sign the petitions as well. And also, you're showing the powers that be that there are people looking at that page. The more of us that follow that page, the, the, the more weight it adds to their argument. And I think we should be really getting behind these guys. They, they really are, you know... They're yeah. really going to bat for 100%. us, and I think we should really get behind them. They, you know, I'd like to get them on the show. We might try and do an interview with them and, and see if we can hook something up, you know, because I'd love to chat to them about it, you know, and thank them personally, to be honest with you, because I think they're doing a great job. It's nuts. Obviously, from a, from a manufacturer's perspective, the manufacturers have known about this for around about 15 years. Do you know what I think they should do? 
because I think we'd all support it. At the end of this, when they've got it done, they should bring out an ink brand called Saved, right? Literally just Saved written on the bottle and we'll all buy it. Bring out your own ink brand called Saved once you've done all this and it's done out, because we'll all support you. I'd buy it. It, it would be interesting to, to, to hear what they say about it all, like, especially with the transition period and finding suitable alternatives, because, like, obviously Paul, Paul yeah. found uh, a pigment, right, that would have been suitable to use, as a replacement, I only found it. I didn't invent no, it. Somebody else invented he found it, it. But it was the first blue that's ever that's been invented for two hundred years. But yeah, Yimin the blue. The cost of that a suitable batch of pigment would end up costing like forty grand for the blue. Do you know what I mean? So it's like let's uh, let's see what they so they, those economic people think about that. Like, all right, what's happening? Just interrupting me and Paul we filmed this video uh, some news come to light and that is something to do with the ink situation in the UK the HSE has just come out with some breaking news and it's some good news for the tattoo industry we will be discussing it in further detail in next week's episode I think or at some point but I thought I'd give you a heads up now so it looks like the UK reach or HSE the health and safety executive have listened to us uh, and they've done what the European Union haven't done, and that's made the correct choice in keeping Blue 15 and Green 7. We're going to do a bit of a dive into that piece of information that was provided, and we will go into it further in the next episode of the podcast. But there will be a link in the description below. Check it out. There is like a form that you can fill in and you can give them feedback, which will help us and help them or they can work with us and so on. But yeah, I just thought I'd let you know that. Um, that's all I've got for now. So back to me and Paul talking about what we were talking about. Bye. Speaking of ink, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago about acrylic ink or acrylic-based ink. So I was tattooing yeah. today and I was like, it just popped, the thought popped into my head. So I, I popped open uh, three different brands, uh, obviously Raw, Fusion, and eternal and i was like just seeing what the difference yeah. was and there definitely is a difference in how the inks go in the skin ones that are acrylic based ones that are non-acrylic based and it's it's a feel thing more than anything yeah. it just feels better when you're working with it and yeah. we're going to come we're going to cycle around to this because that actually does relate back to the chat we're going to have in a little bit but actually it's something that you can only I think you can only really understand yeah. if you're doing the job and just going, it just yeah. feels better when you're working with it, you know. And, and now, in, in all fairness, this it might be, I've been tattooing for a decade and a half with, uh, you know, acrylic-based inks. So when you change something, you do, mm. you know, it does take a minute. And I'm not saying that the, the inks without the acrylic binder in don't go differently. in, but they do go in differently, and they do look different when you're putting them in the skin. They don't they don't look as sexy when you get I, them all saturated to start with. They heal nice, but they don't look as impressive when you first put first them in. put it in. They look a bit duller to yeah. in some instances. Yeah. So, like my my issue with it all was like, why aren't ink manufacturers or why weren't they putting on the bottles that it contained it? So it was like, that's my, that's always been my issue. It's like, if you're not listing it as an ingredient, are you not listing it for a specific reason? Is it because it's not good or, or what? Well, no, I just think it, it, doesn't it just come down to, doesn't it just come down to business, right? If, if you're not required to, you won't bother. So what we need which to is do what is like, reach, change the what, requirements. What so do. they are required to do that sort of stuff, which is part, it's one of the good things that the REACH regulations have done is actually tell us what's in the ink that we're using. But 
as with all the the socialist stuff in the EU, it's a bit heavy-handed, you know. It's, it's a bit yeah. too much. Because, like, I don't know if you've got it. I've got some clients that only want me to tattoo them with non-acrylic-based pigments. I don't think my clients care. They just want nice tattoos. They don't... It's what I think what a lot of my clients do is they go... You, I expect you, and this isn't verbalised, but I think the nature of the relationship is, I expect you to be the professional and put the best quality yeah. ink in me and just get the job done. Um, that's your job. I'll pay you yeah, to do the, the job. Yeah, but the thing is, though... You make those choices. And so I take that duty of I, yeah. care thing quite seriously. It's like, it's my cho- it's my job then to go, would I put this in my own body? If yeah, I wouldn't, but the I'm thing not putting is, it in I anyone th- else's body. And that's why I haven't adopted the reach inks, because... I wouldn't put those things in my body, given what I've seen all online about people going, I've had a reaction to this and this doesn't go in as well. And I'm just, I'm I'm not happy to do that. I'm, I'm like, do you know what? I've had this ink for 15 years. It's worked until the government tell me I can't yeah. use it. It ain't broke. I ain't fixing it. Like the stuff's always worked. It just I think works. Though, so so that's I, that. I, my, 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 the way I come from it is I have clients and, and this is part of the modern era and part of social media and fucking and all that bollocks. It's like you have some clients that research the shit out of stuff and they'd be like, oh, well, I've read online that acrylic, you know, non-acrylic inks are better than acrylic inks and blah, 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 blah. So then- you See, what I do is I go, can I stop you there? You see, when you said, I've read online, that was your first mistake. I always choose my inks based on the best colours. I've always gone across the board a little bit. Like, I've got certain colours that I I still use from brands that I've used. You know, for most of my career, I've used Eternal Ink as the core of what I do. Um, But for instance, if you looked in my setup, you would find um, all the time, all through that, you would find two world-famous inks, because there are two world-famous inks that are absolutely fucking critical yeah. to what I do, and I think they're the best versions of that colour. They make a nice black um, and grey There well. are a couple of Intense inks, um, because I think, for instance, I think Intense have always made and still always make the best periwinkle blue there is. So if you want periwinkle blue, I always go, Intense make that one, <laughs> right? Uh, there's a couple of world-famous colours, like uh, there's Michaeli Turco's Light Skin, yeah. which I think is the best skin tone ever made by any brand ever. They've got another colour called GTMO Green that I use all the time. Um, and, and and I think there's a couple of other colours that I use there. And the core of what I do is Eternal. And then there's like a couple of raw colours, like the raw, I really like the raw yeah. light red, right? Now, I think that's a, that's a really, really great colour. It's a See, crazy no, this is red the thing, Nick. I, I, um, and so they'll kind of live yeah, on the shelf, I, so you know I, what I mean? I add but, this with, like, I used to use Fusion ink all the time. Like, that was my, my, my main bulk of ink was Fusion. And I think the brightest work I ever did in my career was all done with early days Fusion. But, and then as soon as like he left the, the company, I was kind of like, the colours weren't matching. It just weren't the same. So that's when I went on the hunt and like I found Raw and I was like, I really get on with Raw. But I'm, I'm really excited to try out this sacred ink that's coming out. Like Yeah, I mean, mine's for the, I don't change my setup. As you know, I don't change my setup too often. And, um, you know, it's rare that I will ch- swap my blacks out. Like for instance, when I'm using a uh, grey wash system, I still use the uh, world yeah, famous grey yeah, wash Yeah, I set, think it's great. Right? But I don't, but I don't use their legendary black, right? Which is a good black. There's nothing wrong with it. But I use allegory black, which is a, a new black that I've that I've added in. But I've always used, I've used Max Black by Eternal for the longest time. Prior to that, I was using it in tens. Uh, uh, I think it was called yeah. Super Black or something like that. And then, bef- and then. For the longest time, early early doors, uh, I was using silverback yeah. blacks for a long time, but just their black, you know, because they, they, they make some 
really nice blacks. Even though the guy was incredibly rude to me when I met him, and you know, but it's still yeah. good black ink. I used to use. Guy's um, just a bit of a dick, I used to use. You know. Basic black from Fusion. Like, you know, everyone says like, oh, what's the best black to use? And it's like, most of the blacks are the exact same base pigment. The only difference between them all is the viscosity, the pigment load, and maybe one's got blue added to it to kind of like, you know, change the hue of the black. In case you don't know this, like when you deepen a color, you can use a warm tone to deepen it, or you can use a, a cold tone to deepen it. Um, so you can use like deep purples and deep blues or you can use deep browns yeah. and very deep reds or, you know, that kind of thing. So blacks will heal on the brown side or the blue side. Primarily, a lot of the time for a lot of my career, I've been using a single colour, generally red, right? So in order to create the, a better contrast between that red, I don't want a warm black, I want a blue black. So I pick my blacks based on they heal on the blue side of things. So all of my grey washes will heal on the silver side of blue, not the kind of warmer side of, a uh, silver side of black rather than the warmer side of black. Um, that's to do with contrast. Now, if you were using, you know, a, a cold tone as your main colour, like your pickup colour, so you, you want to use a warm black because you're going to get a better contrast. And also the warmer blacks, they sit in the skin differently, like because there's less contrast with the warm black to the yellow skin, you know, or yellow tone skin, um, th then they, they will. They seem like they're in the skin more than the blue blacks because they sit. They feel like they sit more under yeah. the skin on top, and they feel like they have more contrast. It's just it, it's you get into like minute yeah. little funny things when you get when you get in the thin end of tattooing. You know, when you get to that end, you, you're making weird, yeah. like tiny little decisions that seem daft when you talk about them, but they actually make sense. But anyway, you got any more news? I will have my, my very first tattoo convention review coming out soon. I said last week that the Paradise Tattoo Gathering is in Boston. The Paradise Tattoo Gathering is not in Boston. Um, I, that's the airport that I flew into to get to the Paradise Tattoo uh, Gathering. Uh, I have it on good authority from Gabe. Hi, mate. Hi, Sorry about this. Um, uh, that The Paradise Tattoo Gathering is in a place called Jiminy Peak, which I do remember. It's a beautiful place. And it's about as far away from Boston in Massachusetts as you can possibly get, which I do remember because it was a long-ass drive from that airport to get to where we were going. Oh. And when is it? It's in October, I believe. Please don't shoot me down for this. I will put the correct dates there in case I just said the wrong thing. I'll, I'll look them up. Um, so it's in Jiminy Peak. So if you are in the US or if you're not in the US and you're thinking of going, don't go to Boston looking for the Paradise Tattoo Gathering. You've got to go, go to Jiminy Peak. Right, it's um, that's where you got to be. So, you know, sorry about that. So it was a quick correction. I asked this question a few weeks ago and you guys were all unanimous or, or pretty much unanimous that you wanted me to add some music news. So I've got some big How music news How big is it? Is it like this big or is it like this big? Is, is it so big that you need an anamorphic wide-angle lens? Like It doesn't fit on the screen. It's so big. Yeah, it's really big. Linkin Park's second album, Meteoria, is 20 years old this year, right? So Meteor, in case you don't know, is the follow-up to Hybrid Theory, which is still considered one of the greatest uh, and most successful debut albums of all time. Do you know what? Can I interrupt you there? I remember when I first ever watched Linkin Park, right? I was in someone's house eating cheesy chips, and they, that come on, and we both sat there, watched the very first music video. We looked at each other, and we were like, what the fuck was that? 
Like it was just like that was amazing. But yeah. Oh, it sold millions, yeah. millions of copies, won a load of Grammys. So the band in two thousand and three, they brought out their second album, Meteoria. Goes on to be a huge album, massive, and it's twenty years old this year. So they've been looking at putting together a box set. Now they've put together an incredible box set. I think they I think off the top of my head, I'm, I haven't got any of this written down. There's five vinyl albums, Ooh. two DVDs. Ooh. So they found 90 minutes of unreleased footage Ooh. filmed from the Meteoria tour. And also, so this box set, and there's loads of photos and all kinds of stuff that they were covering. But the thing that's most exciting is they found a song that they'd forgotten about. So let me explain. So when a band records an album, if you're going to put 12 songs on an album... You don't generally record 12 songs. You record 20 songs. And then as throughout the recording process, you know, the favourites become apparent. Uh, as it would turn out, they wanted to make an album with 12 songs on, but they had 13 tunes. So they got a 13th song mixed, mastered, ready to go on the record, and then it didn't make it. And they've just released it with a music video. So this morning, so three days ago, so this will be a week ago by the time you see this, three days ago they released a music video that's all done in anime because the band are like weirdly linked to anime because of when this was done. People used to use Linkin Park stuff to put up their favourite animes on this this new website then that was called YouTube, right, because it was new then, right? And um, so they've done like a sort of anime-style video with it with Chester in because sadly that he died a few yeah. years ago, sadly. Um and it's fucking brilliant. Like, and, but the thing is, they haven't remixed it. They haven't remastered it. It's literally as it would have sounded on the album in 2003. I feel like I want to watch it now. Oh, dude. Look, this is the other thing. It's been up for three days. It's already had 10 million views. I mean, fucking hell. <laughs> it's sick. It's absolutely sick. Pause this video. Go watch the um, Linkin Park Lost video and then come back and we'll wait for you. And Chris is going to watch it now. We'll be back in a minute. And we're back. <laughs> Chris has just watched uh, a part of the music video, but he started crying. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for your comments. I've got a comment to read. So this first one, uh, we're talking about Brother Printers. So I wanted to answer this for all of you because I've had this question asked to me a few times over the last couple of weeks. Hi, and thanks for supporting other artists. I've got a 763, but without MFI. Bluetooth is shown only on Android, but not on iPad or iPhone. Is there anything I can do? Buy an Android. No, is the simple answer. The MFI part is made for iOS. Uh, that's because Apple are quite protective of what connects to their equipment, oh. and the Bluetooth in the 763 is is not capable I... of connecting to the iPad or the iPhone. You've got to get the 763 MFI if you want to connect to an Apple device. It's as Can simple I add as to that. This, I'm please? really sorry. Can I add to this? Because that same person also commented on one of your videos as well, saying to everyone, if you don't want to waste a bunch of cash for this R word, you can't say it anymore, or I, I, you know what I mean, uh, brother device, you need to buy the MFI one to work with an iPad or iOS device. If you get, so what Paul just said. Um, so my response, because I responded to that message was, um, I would also advise that people do adequate research into a product before buying it. Make sure it's compatible with your system and your needs. So rather than going online, buying something, and then kicking off online that you've bought something, you haven't researched it, 
do some research into buying something to make sure it's compatible with your system setup that you have before you make yourself look at it. Isn't it the same as going out and buying an Xbox game and trying to put it into your PlayStation and then going, I can't believe this Xbox game doesn't work on a PS5. Oh my God, why, why can't I put gas in my Tesla? It's like, yeah, do some research. Sadly, it's, it's unfortunately, it's one of them. I know, I understand that you'd be annoyed, but it's a cautionary tale for all you kids out there is RTFM, you know, get the system requirements and make sure that it works with your setup before you buy it, uh, unfortunately. Right, I've got another um, comment here uh, that says, uh, so this is from Joshua Green 8506 Hi, Josh. Uh, it says, I'm a self-taught tattooer from Tulsa, and what you said made more sense to me than half of the advice I've heard since I started this tattoo journey, or this journey. I've only been tattooing for three years, and I still have much to learn. But this YouTube channel has really lifted my confidence in my tattooing. My main problem has always been promoting my business and gaining more clientele. But thank you for all the new info. I have a whole new way of looking at success in my tattooing. Uh, thank you so much for the comment. Uh, if you caught last week's episode, you'll know that uh, moving forward for the next few, uh, well, for the next hundred episodes or moving forward with the channel, it's something that me and Chris are both going to focus on. Probably particularly me because it is my background, so I'm going to try and make a playlist of stuff where I talk about um, not tattooing, not the process of tattooing, but all the stuff you do once you've learned to tattoo. Building a website, personal branding, building a brand, getting it out to people, how to do market research with no money, you know, how to find clients, how to advertise to those clients and get them through the door and get them, ta get them tattooed and giving you money. So... Look out for that series soon. I am working on it. We are shooting some test footage at the moment and I am writing scripts Me. so that I've got some stuff to work with. So it will be coming, I hope, I hope by the summer, by the, hopefully by the summer, you know. I'm going to read this comment, but this is actually one that Chris wanted to read out um, and wanted to respond to it. So this was a comment that was on one of your review videos and it was the review of the Bishop Tattoo Machines and BDEE1084 commented, what a rip-off. Thoughts? I think, <laughs> is it a rip-off or is it just not within your price range? I think that, like, that's what people need to understand. Like some, I think some people look at stuff and go, oh, that's expensive as fuck, what a rip-off. And it's like, it's, it's not a rip-off. It's just not within your price range. And I, I get it with when I price tattoos up. Sometimes I'll give somebody a quote for a tattoo and they'll be like, that's really expensive. And I'm like, it's not. It's just not within your price range. Do you mean? And I feel like... Yeah, like Lamborghinis aren't expensive. They just can't afford one, you know? Yeah, exactly. But no, I think like what, what frustrates me when tattooists say things like, oh, that's a ripoff. It's like you get people that are basically... They will charge top rate for their tattoos, but then source really, really cheap materials to do it. And if like if you're doing that, are you yourself ripping people off? So I think it's like rip off is a bad, bad word. I think it's not a rip off. It's just not within your price range. I've got another comment here because uh, I love this one. Uh, Xander Lurks commented, gotta love the term purple handed preachers. Do you want a T-shirt? Because I think we should make a T-shirt. April onwards, uh, because we've we got a bunch of stuff going on in the background that's too boring to talk about. From April onwards, there will be some merch coming. 
Um, more news on that once I've got it all set up because there's going to be there's going to be quite a bit of it actually, and it'll be really easy to get hold of. So um, st- staggeringly easy to get hold of actually because we aren't actually going to be delivering it to you. So more news on that in you know sort of middle of April once I've got that kind of figured out. Uh, it's it's all shit. You don't need to worry about you know. It's, it is what it is. And then you know what we should do to make the Purple Land a preacher T-shirt. Right, we should, and we have to film it. Right, we'll have to carbon up our hands. And then yeah. print our hands onto a piece of white paper, one each, so it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> to make, you know, because we're part of the Illuminati as well, we should do that. Yeah. Well, I was, <laughs> uh, what I was thinking of doing was just getting scans of our hands, right? Getting a white T-shirt and just trying to do an all-over print of purple handprints and marks and then just write purple Andy Preachers on a white yeah. T-shirt and it's just covered in fucking purple smudges. That would be good. It might happen, maybe happen. I've got one last comment to read, but it can't, this is what triggered this week's chat, actually. So, uh, Sush Ink Tattoo, 1366. Uh, you didn't talk about my comment, teary cry face. That's, that's no way to be behaving. Uh, he's got a question. Can you be a tattooer if you have no tattoos? At my old shop, I wasn't allowed to mark body parts where I didn't have tattoos. That, that, that's like saying, like, you know, if you're a man, you're not allowed to tattoo a woman's chest because you do not have breasts. Or vice versa, if you're a woman, you're not allowed to tattoo a man in a certain body part because you do not have that appendage. Doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't agree with that idea at all. Yeah, it's stupid. I don't know about you, but I don't agree with the idea that you can't be a good tattooist if you don't have any tattoos. Because I I know at least a couple of tattooists that have got, I think, no tattoos. And they're great The the only thing I could think of, right, is you would lack empathy for people. Does that make sense? Like if you if you're not heavily well, yeah. that's the only thing I was going to say. Where you like, I don't think it would affect your artwork or your ability to do the tattoo because you're still going to learn the process of tattooing and the tools and how it's done. The two areas where I think you might have more of a problem is advising somebody on how to yeah. heal a tattoo if you've never healed one. So you'd have to you'd have to do research into like wound care and fall back to times when you've skinned your knees and stuff like that. But it's not really the same process. So if you haven't experienced that, you know, like a good heel versus a bad heel and how worrying that can be when you're a client, um, I think that might be an issue. And also, if you've never sat through um, a, a difficult tattoo, because I've had tattoos that were so easy that I fell asleep while they were being done, and I've had tattoos where I was gripping the side of the bed, nearly crying. You know, thanks, Leah. <laughs> so if you've never struggled as a client, you might be you might have less empathy for a client who is struggling. Um, but then the other thing is, if you've never had a tattoo, like now if you're teaching yourself, this is something that all beginners, uh, it is, I think it's a trap that we all fall into. When you have had a tattoo and it's hurt, and then you're doing your first few tattoos and you can tell that the client is struggling yeah. and in pain, what beginners... The first thing that beginners tend to do is they lift the needle a little yeah. bit out the skin. Now, what we all go on to find out is that that just means you've got to do that line twice. And you're much better off getting in, get the line in, hurt the client as much as you have to, but no more, and getting out the skin and being efficient. So I think if you didn't have tattoos, that might be an you, advantage. Yeah, you, you, you don't understand. You never but then it, you wouldn't if you know haven't it felt hurt. it, it might actually, because I'm, I'm the one who said that earlier in here about it being, but I'm just thinking about it now. It's like, it might actually be a disadvantage because if you don't know how much it's hurting them because you haven't got many tattoos, 
you can't empathize. So that might make you feel like you're going to pull back even more because you're like, ooh, am I really hurting them or are they just being... So ultimately, yes, there might be some difficulties, but I don't think it would affect the quality of your tattoos. I think you can still make beautiful tattoos. And like the tattooists that I know that have got no or very few tattoos are fucking banging tattooers. You know, they're great. So um, I don't think that would have... would. Yeah, yeah. Nipper, Nipper. He's a great black and grey artist. You know, he's... One awards he's one up in London and all that, but he's only got like three tattoos. He's been he's done a proper apprenticeship. He's been tattooing for thirty five years. He, in my opinion, is better than some of the very very heavily tattooed black and grey artists that are superstar tattooists. So so there you, you know go. I don't think it makes a difference. But what I wanted to ask you, where I do think it makes a difference, was and we've actually had this said to us in a conversation was when it comes to making and designing and amending and really drilling down into products, actually the making of the tools and the the products that we use, I actually think, let's take, for instance, because that's where this conversation kind of kicked off from, let's take the, 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 uh, the thing that was said to us by Chris from Cheyenne when we were talking about um, tattoo machines. And he said, do you want your tattoo machine to be made by an engineer who will make it to to work really well or do you want it to be made by a tattooist now i understand the principle of that argument but actually my answer is no what i want is i want my tattoo machine to be designed by a tattooist with a mechanical engineering or some sort of experience in it yeah because like i think like i said this before like when i when i've been testing reviewing machines i got sent like the acus m1 and I was testing it. And like, I always give companies feedback about what I think about it. And there were a couple of things I felt like that machine needed. And when I, and I want to just say this, they are really nice people. But when I did go back to them with my feedback from, you know, somebody who's got a lot of experience tattooing, I was just kind of hit with the, well, you know, you, you, race car drivers don't build race cars. Engineers, engineers build race car, build race cars. Uh, and but my my kind of response to that is, but the engineer should be listening to the race car drivers right. to make sure that they're making so a good race car. This is my take on what you're saying, right? So here's here's the big problem, right? We as artists, um, when it comes to describing how our products work and when and the, when they don't work properly, we've got a real poverty of terms uh, to describe how how a thing feels. So we'll go back to an engineer, like a race car driver, and go, I don't know, man, it just feels like when I hit, it hits the skin, it's a bit spongy or it's a bit sticky or it's snaggy or it, it doesn't feel like it runs right. And we use yeah. the terms that we use are wholly subjective, right? Um, they're not normally like particularly technical. We're describing how the thing feels in our hands. So to me, an engineer with no background in tattooing, will not be able to translate that information into, oh, what you mean is it doesn't have enough torque or it doesn't have enough downforce. Maybe what I need to do is change the weight of the cam. So if you've got a race car engineer, for instance, when the driver comes in and says, I just can't get it to turn into the, the corners, well, the engineer will come up with a solution. But if the engineer has also got a driving background... They, they will know the weird 
terms that race car drivers will use. Yeah. It just, it feels like it won't go in. It's like, oh, well, it's it's understeering or it's oversteering. So what we've got to do is we've got to change the towing angle or something like that. Now, the, the yeah. race car driver doesn't know anything about the towing angle generally, right? And the tattooist won't really know much about the weight of the cam and how that affects the throw of the machine and the, the hit of the machine. But well, somebody with that mechanical sympathy that is also a tattooist that has held the tattoo machine and used it to do a tattoo will have a better understanding when it comes to fixing the engineering problem, I think, so personally. what I was going to say to, to that is, and, and this, is, this is a conversation I have with Dale, like I've been reviewing, I'm testing one of the machines for Rotary Works, and like I've known Dale for, for years, like do you mean? And I was having a, I, I can ask him quite candid questions about how machines work and so on. And he, he turned on the other day and he was like, he's like, I don't get it, dude. He's like, you don't, he's like, you got all these machines out there that have got four mil, 4.5, five mil. He's like, that is too much. And he was saying to the guys that he works with, he builds machines. They're all like wanting like, they're like, oh yeah, we want a four mil stroke, we want a 4.5 mil stroke. And then they're complaining that like their black work is is not as black, it's not as saturated, it's causing more trauma to the skin. And he's like, yeah, he's like, his opinion as a tattoo artist of a very, very long time and a machine builder for over 25 years, his opinion is that 3.5 is the longest stroke you need. Yep. And he said for him, he's like, and I, I've been using a 3.2 mil stroke machine that's quite talky, and I'm like smashing in super smooth black and grey, smashing line working, smashing solid, saturated black in the skin. And I'm just like putting it in a lot better than I would with some other machines that are 4.5 and 4 mil stroke. Exactly. So, you know, so, but then, so what, what we're saying then, uh, is, go on, go on, sorry, go on. I was going to say, the, but then it makes you think, right, when you, if you, if you look at this 3.2 mil machine, and you put it next to some of the four mil machines, they aren't as pokey. So to kind of like, so where these engineers then are listening to maybe non-experienced tattooists, are they saying like, oh, well, I need a bigger stroke because I, I need to put the black in or I need to put bigger mags in. They are making the stroke lengths longer, but reducing the torque or the power output of the machine. Yep. Whereas what they should be doing, probably, I'm not sure because I'm not an Possibly. engineer, is reducing the stroke length and increasing the torque. So, so yeah, and I, there's definitely like a real difference in a machine that is built by a tattooist yeah. who is or, an engineer. Or realistically, any product. Like, you know, when we talk about yeah. tattooing and, you know, um, we, we were talking about this earlier about acrylic binders versus non-acrylic binders, right? And... The, the terms that we will use to talk about it feels more fluid or it feels creamier or it just goes... I mean, they're not actual technical terms. They're all about feel. So if you've got somebody making the yeah. ink who's got a background in tattooing and understands the process of tattooing, they can go and put their ink into skin and experience it. And when a tattooist yes. comes back to them and says, this just, it feels like it's too thick or it's too thin or it's not saturated enough or it's not pigment dense enough, they can... In, in, they're not just a person that stirs coloured powder into water to make ink and, and paints it on a bit of paper and goes, oh, that's nice and bright. Yeah. They're actually somebody that knows what it's going to be applied for. It's the same with needles and needle cartridges. If you're an engineer designing them, that's one thing. But if you're actually using them, it might be that they go, well, mechanically, it's perfectly straight and it's fine. And you go, well, that might be true, but it feels like it's moving left and right to me. Where's that coming from? And a tattooist would use it and go, yeah, where is the, the where is that 
left-right feel of motion being introduced from? Is it the machine? Is it something we can damp out in the cartridge? Or is it something we've got to live with? And so I think that actually a tattooist with no tattoos is no problem at all, whereas a, a manufacturer... With no with no tattoo experience is way more of a way more of a problem. Somebody making something with no experience of tattooing, they, because they're not going to be able to respond to the the feedback from artists yeah, because they won't. I, the, I get the, what you're saying. The stuff that we're saying to them, we're not going to be technical. It's going to be completely subjective terms. So I actually think that that's more of a problem for me. So in answer to your question, I guess it's. Yes, you can be a tattooist with no tattoos. Um, you don't necessarily have to have any tattoos on your body at all. But I think if you're going to make tattoo products, you should probably have a background. At, you don't have to be the best tattooist in the world or anything like that. You don't. You, you just have to have a, an understanding of how this stuff works in the skin. In order, yeah, I, I get what you're saying to a degree, yeah. In order to make a better product. Because certainly the stuff that I use that's made by tattooists is... You can tell, like you said to me earlier, when you, you pick up a product that's made by a tattooist, it's got the soul. And I'm like, there you go, there's the term. Like we go, oh, it's got a soul. Well, clearly a tattoo machine hasn't got a soul, but you can feel the build. It's like warmth, I'm, I, analog and digital, like, isn't it? It's got warmth to it. There's a, do, do you know what? It's got a, it's, it's got a do warmth know, do you know what to it. it. As well? You can I tell that it's been like, built by somebody like that's machine, built it to do that job. People who make tattoo machines that are tattooists that have got experience in making tattoo, in, you know, in, in tattooing, they've been tattooing for a long time. I find a lot of their, like say, if you look at rotary specifically, a lot of their rotary machines have more coil-like feel than people who don't tattoo. Does that make sense? Like that, that pen, it's got yep. a little bit of give to it. It reminds me of when I used to tattoo yep. using, I used to do my black and grey with the cutback liner from Mickey Sharps. You know, when you look at like rotaries now, like say, for example, when I started tattooing, my liner was a cutback liner from Mickey Sharps. Short stroke, fast as fuck, put cream, really smooth, nice yep. lines in. But then when you go on rotary machines, you end up using 4 mil, 4.5 mil to put lines in, slowing down and so on. That pen, and I gotta say, it's only two hundred and fifty quid as well, which is insane. Don't be sleeping on Rotary Works tattoo machines. Like, don't be sleeping on them. I'm telling you, they that that's the bang for your buck. I'm telling like that's the best two hundred and fifty quid you'll spend on one of their tattoo machines. Seriously, they're great. They're that really that good. machine, like lining with that, at a, running it fast, shorter stroke, it, it reminds me more of what what a coil was. But that's was nice. you know that's a great example of like a builder listening to feedback and their own opinion about how a machine works and building a machine with a soul in it. Um, now, I'm not saying that if you're an engineer that you're building terrible tattoo machines. I'm sure you're not. I mean, the Cheyenne machines are some of my favourite machines and they're not built by tattooists. They're built by engineers. But I do think that if those engineers sat down and actually did a few tattoos, they, would that elevate yeah. the Cheyenne machines to another level? I personally think it might. I, I really They'd do have think a better it, understanding. A better understanding. You know, I just, I really do think it might. Uh, let us know in the comments what you think. You know, do you have to have tattoos to be a tattooist? We don't think so. But we do think that you should possibly be a tattooist if you're going to make tattoos products comment down below and so with that this has been uh episode 101 of that tattoo show we've been your purple andy preachers i've been paul and i've been chris and i can't believe we've got another 99 episodes to go <laughs> 
And so with that, tell the lawyer, tell the judge, tell the priest, tell the tattoo industry to learn to tattoo before they start making products. And make more of an effort. Uh, and tell the them ink. that we'll be here every week with a tattoo Oof. chat for you. We'll see you next Sunday. Goodbye, Take care, guys. my friends. Ha, ha, ha.